L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This is the Steelers Preview Show, presented by Unibet on WDVE Pittsburgh. Here are your hosts, Mike Brazuda and Matt Williamson. Last chance for the Steelers. Bradshaw trying to get away. And his pass is broken up by Tatum. Tipped off. Rachel Harris has it. When you talk about Christmas miracles, here's the miracle of all miracles. Watch this one now. Bradshaw's lucky to even get rid of the ball. He shoots it out. Jack Tatum deflects it right into the hands of Harris. And he sets off, and the big 230-pound rookie slipped away from Warren and scored. Happy anniversary, Immaculate Reception. 49 today. The greatest play for my money in sports history, December the 23rd, 1972. That was Kurt Gowdy's call on NBC of the uh, just incredible ending to the Steelers-Raiders divisional playoff game at Three Rivers Stadium. Uh, all these years later, uh, it still can't be explained. It's still hard to fathom. But uh, Matt Williamson, it's a day to celebrate. No doubt. For Steeler Nation, particularly <laughs> when you're getting ready to go play the Kansas City Chiefs. It might take another Christmas miracle Sunday at Arrowhead <laughs> yeah, a, to get out of there. Immaculate intervention, yeah. yeah. I mean, who knows what. I mean, th- frankly, this is not going to be an easy hour to try, you know, talk Steelers Chiefs because we don't exactly know what the opponent is. The state of the NFL is bonkers right now. I'm glad you brought us in on that, though. I mean, just Christmas, you know, good feelings, warm fuzziness. That's like when you and Dale started covering the team back then, right? I mean, it's well, been about close, that. <laughs> close. I, you know, I was, I started in '86, and uh, I am Mike Pursuta. He is Matt Williamson. I uh, neglected to uh, open the show the way we normally do, but I uh, just want to remind everybody that, yeah, we're still here, and we're going to do this till eight o'clock tonight, like we always do. And yeah, Merrill Hodge is going to join us as he always does. But uh, I was an 11-year-old kid 
And the story of my upbringing is that my parents were from Aliquippa. I was born in Philadelphia, mm-hmm. but every year for the holidays, we came back to visit our grandparents and our aunts okay. and uncles and sure, cousins. Sure. But on this particular occasion, since the game was blacked out in Pittsburgh. Oh, right. Okay. We drove back to Philly. We came out <laughs> before Christmas, but we wanted to get home to see the game. Well, my mom and sister end up getting deathly sick. And, well, not quite, but they were down for they the count. Bad, and yeah. my dad and I were watching the game, and toward the end, I did what most 11-year-old kids do when their team's losing, and it looks hopeless. So I went in the other room and started throwing stuff around and <laughs> yeah, kicking yeah, things. Getting eliminated. And, yeah. and I missed it. Oh, wow. You I missed even, it live. I could have watched it live. And no I missed, kidding. And I heard my old man screaming, and I came running in and said, what happened? And he said, they won, and you missed it. Because <laughs> he was kind of. I mean, at 11, I'm trying to think. I mean, at 11. He thought I should have been tougher than that to, you know, oh, ride, you gotta, it, you ride it out. 60-minute man. I mean, yeah. come on. Uh, I mean, but at 11, you re, you remembered the bad years then. I mean, probably. Had appreciation. Just, I mean, yeah, I was, little, at least a little bit of appreciation. I like, was still pretty new to it, but I remember that year being so magical. They had this guy named Franco Harris. Okay. And he was getting 100 yards every game. And they were winning a lot, and they yeah, never yeah. used to do that. Okay. And they were looking good, and everybody was talking about them. And then this playoff game happens, and they really dominate the game. Okay. And don't put the Raiders away. And then Ken Stabler, I think it was about a 30-yard scramble for a touchdown, kind of a fluke play. Okay. And wow. they end up falling behind 7-6, and then that happened. And it didn't even matter so much that they lost the next week. Wow. That's pretty awesome. I mean – I'm a little younger than you. The, the first Steeler game I really remember was Steelers Rams Super Bowl. So when I could know anything football wise, they were a powerhouse. You know, it was just I, I don't remember before that or the uh, evolution of the powerhouse. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I didn't you know survive years and years and years of it like my dad did, but mm. I knew they had always been bad, and all of a sudden they were good, and and the whole town was buzzing. Oh about my it, god, I'm sure. what a yeah. season that was! And they lost to Miami the next week, and then. 1973, not as good a year, and they got mm-hmm. in the playoffs but got beat by the Raiders. Sure. And uh, that was the season that uh, a guy by the name of Roy Blunt Jr., who worked for Sports Illustrated at the time, was given incredible access to kind of embed himself with the Steelers okay. and spend a year following an NFL football team. And he wrote a little book about it called uh, About Three Bricks Shy of a Load. Mm-hmm. Yep. And if you haven't read this, this is... I think is... I did a book report on it in, like, <laughs> second grade. <Yeah. laughs> that is the Old Testament for Steeler fans. Okay. There's, yeah, been a, right. there's been a lot written about them since, and a lot of it's very good work, mm-hmm. and none of it compares. Wow. Okay. I mean, I was a little ahead of my time, but yeah. that's a great way to put it, the Old Testament for Steeler fans. I mean, so it's a lot of the downtimes, too. He, I mean, he right. captured the spirit of the thing perfectly. Wow. And, and it's just so well-researched. Cool. And uh, Roy Blunt Jr., a phenomenal writer. And uh, there you go. Get somebody a late Christmas present. See if you can find that book somewhere. Or, uh, hey, treat no, your, I'm sure you can get it. Treat yourself. Uh, of course, that was then, and this is now. And, and Matt, as you alluded, uh, we've got the Steelers and the Chiefs in the COVID Bowl coming up at Arrowhead Stadium. Not real sure uh, who's going to be playing for Kansas City and who is. And I can tell you that Chris Jones uh, was a limited participant in practice for Kansas City mm-hmm. today. He was on the COVID list last week, so now he's off. He was uh, missed last week. Uh, big time. Yeah. Uh, Charvarius Ward, uh, cornerback, uh, dealing with some personal issues. He didn't play last week either. He was a limited participant in practice. Uh, the rest of the, the significant names are COVID guys, and that would start with – 
Travis Kelsey and what and Tyree okay. Kill, the tight end and the wide receiver. I mean, they're as good of tight end wide receiver pairing as I can remember since I've been doing this. I mean, they've been elite. They're unbelievably difficult to deal with when both's on the field. I mean, one in their own can certainly stand on their own merits, but their their styles contrast each other so very well. And obviously, Mahomes and Reed and that whole situation helps them. And They've been kind of searching for a third guy, though. You know, like they drafted Miko Hardman pretty high, hasn't really hit for them. Um, they entertained Juju this offseason. They gave Sammy Watkins money a year or two ago, and that didn't really hit hard for him. Used a first round pick on a receiving back, Clyde Edwards Alaire. So they are very driven by these two. I mean, like 50% of their production comes from Hill and Kelsey. Yeah, more than that in yeah, terms yeah. of catches, yards, touchdowns. All the above, right. It is a three-headed monster if you count the quarterback, Pat Mahomes. Uh, for the Steelers, Dan Moore Jr., the left tackle, illness. He was limited today. Uh, Pat Fryermuth, tight end, concussion. Didn't work for a second that doesn't consecutive look day. No. And it's not the first concussion for Fryermuth. Right. And he's a pretty important guy already. Without question. I mean, there's a big drop-off. Uh, Gentry's a nice rule player. He's been better than I expected. But Fryermuth in the middle of that defense could really be useful. He's gotten a lot of snaps lately, a lot of usage, really bright future. Um, you know, there's a couple spots. The Steelers aren't hit nearly as bad COVID-wise as Kansas City, but what if by chance Moore is out and it doesn't sound like Banner's going to be available? You couldn't bump Chooks to the left side. So, it's not like it's a one-sided thing in this COVID situation. Chris Wormley groin also didn't work for a second consecutive day. He had to leave uh, last Sunday's game against Tennessee early because of that groin issue. Not sure what to make of that, but uh, I'm not sure what to make of the Steelers either, Matt. No. And uh, it's funny when when they tied Detroit back on November the 14th, and uh, they got run on. I mean, it, uh, the oh, line. Yeah. The Lions rushed for 229 yards, but they didn't have many passing yards. It was the first time the Steelers had given up 200 yards rushing in a game, and I kind of wrote that off then. Yeah, I did a little bit. As a little fluky, they were using that extra lineman a lot. Mm -hmm. Good offensive line. It's not like they gave up a a ton of passing yards and a ton of points. Sure, they'll get it fixed. 16 points should (laughs) have won the game. I'm putting that one on the offense. But now, very similar game against Tennessee, but the Titans 201. That's the third time that's happened this year. It's the second yeah. game in a row that they've given up over 200 rushing yards. And this one appalled me, uh, particularly coming off of Minnesota. That's all the better all right. you could fix it, that you would give up 242 on the ground to the Vikings and then 201 to Tennessee. I, thank you, Tennessee, for throwing the ball 32 times, including 12 times <laughs> point. Yeah. in the second half. Because even though the defense got four turnovers mm-hmm. and only gave up 13 points and pitched the second-half shutout, uh, I'm, I'm concerned that uh, it's not going to get any better the rest of the way. No, right. I mean, I'm just sitting here thinking. I mean, if you even include, if we go Vikings, Lions, Titans, combined between those three offenses, there's one good receiver, and that's Justin Jefferson. So it's not like a situation like playing the Chiefs. Well, we're deathly afraid of Tyreek Hill, so we're going to back off and kind of beg him to run. No, you're getting gouged, and they're big holes. You know, like the Seattle game, I thought the first half especially, they were really worried about Metcalf and Lockett getting behind them. Yeah. Okay, that And they, makes they sense. even acknowledged that. Yeah, like, right. That's hey, a fine game plan. We're not okay. getting beat on the big play. Right. That yeah. makes sense. They're not going to keep up with us with Geno Smith because unless we allow the big play. Fine. But now, to your point, I think the Lions really uncovered something. Bringing an extra lineman, 
you know, traditional runs. They're not gadgety. They're not, you know, reverses and things like that. And Cincinnati mauled them as well. We can't yeah, look that one. Buck 98 for Cincinnati. You're so right. you're, you're a couple yards away from having given up 200 yards or more on the ground in three of the last four games and four of the last six. Oh, it's remarkable. And, you know, the can't win that were, way. You can't win that way. I mean, you just can't. I mean, you can't control the game at all. You need to win the turnover battle four to nothing to win that game. <laughs> and that's not going to happen time and time again, you know. So, it, I mean, is there is there a fix or is there a way to work around it? Or have we gotten to that part of the movie Titanic where – uh, the builder is explaining to the captain, you don't understand, five <laughs> compartments are compromised. It's a done deal. We're going down. It, it, yeah, I think we're getting to that point. I mean, I don't think there's any rescue You, you could bail no really fast, but you can bail really it's fast still going to sink. You're getting to the end of the season here, you know, so maybe you make it to the, the finish line and happen to sneak in the playoffs, but I don't think all of a sudden your run defense problems are going to go away. And I'm sure we'll talk about this a lot in the hour. How will the Chiefs decide to play against the Steelers? This you is know, the question of the week. That's the question of the week. With or without Hill and Kelsey, do you just attack the weakness or do you play to your strength if you're Andy Reid? And I think if those two are out, how do you not bring the fullback in the game and maybe an extra offensive lineman and just say, let's just abuse their weakness and see if they can stop it? Chiefs have run more than they've thrown in two games this year. Okay. Uh, October 3rd at Philadelphia, they ran it 32 times. Threw it 30, and they won 42 to 30. Uh, December the 12th, just a little while ago, mm-hmm. uh, 30 to 24 win over the Raiders. Excuse me, 48 to 9 win over the Raiders. They they ran it 30 times and threw it 24. But the, but the rest of the time, the rest of the other 12 games, more passes and runs, which is not uncommon. No. In some cases, a wide disparity, more passes mm-hmm. and runs. And here's what really got my attention, Matt. They were playing the Chargers last time out. Uh, Thursday night, week right. night, and the Chargers had the thirty-one number thirty-one run deal. <laughs> right, exactly. Okay, so comparable to the Steelers, you could say that's a good point. We have a, a recent track record yeah. here, and yeah. they just threw it anyway. They did really well. <laughs> oh, by the way, I mean they're they're pretty darn good at it when healthy, yeah. and that Mahomes guy is all right. And I know he stumbled a little early in the year, but I'm, you know, he's back to playing an elite level after that game. But maybe that just answered the question. You know, I mean, if you're not going to run on the Chargers, you know, and those two games you mentioned, the, the Eagles and Raiders win. They did have Kelsey and Hill for those games. They did. but I, And I also think they had massive leads and kind of sealed them away, too. Like, since, during this Mahomes-Reed run over the last two, three, four years, whatever it's been, they traditionally run the ball like six, seven times in the first half and get a lead and then sit on you after that. You know, I mean, yeah. that's how they're built. And I, you know, I, I'm not going to say they're wrong. If they have sure Kelsey and Hill and Mahomes, right? I don't care what the Steelers are giving up per carry. Uh, they can beat you throwing, and they prefer to beat you throwing, and that's yeah. who they are. They're better at it, and they're maybe yeah. better at it than anybody out there. And they have a rebuild offensive line, and I mean, and they're running backs. Edward Zelaire is a former first round pick, but he's not a bruiser. I mean, he's more of a utility weapon receiver. He's five seven. You know, the backs that have really done damage to the Steelers, even Foreman, who's not nearly on Mixon and Cook's level, those guys get downhill, and they're really aggressive attacking, you know, seams and whatnot. Foreman uh, impressed me. Yeah, I don't think he has a ton of juice, but he's a powerful downhill runner. He's a good player. Big guy. Yeah. He looked fairly 
comparable. Not, you know, yeah, not right, he, right, right. Not that he's Derrick Henry, but he fit that offense, and he, they certainly he's thought the same so. genre. Yeah, you know, right, without question. They were lucky to get a hold of him. Uh, now let's let's get back to that. What's Kansas City going to do? Thing because if they don't have Kelsey and Hill, mm-hmm. are they really going to throw it all over the yard to Byron Pringle and Josh Gordon and Miko Hardman? You would think not. You know, but what if he only have one? You know, that's the other conversation. You know, Mahomes is throwing it really well. That's what they do. Um, I mean, I'm really excited to talk to Merrill about it. You know, I mean, it, it's more of an Andy Reid thing than anything. I mean, yeah. like when he was in Philly, you probably remember this. I mean, he got criticized for not running the ball enough. You yeah. know, even with McCoy and Westbrook and some of the backs he had. You know, it's kind of his DNA to throw it around the field, and I think Mahomes is more than willing to do it. You know, and perfect guy for him. Here's the second part of the question. You know, one is, are they going to play, and what will Mm -hmm. they do, you know, given the circumstance? Number two, if you're a Steelers fan, hell, if you're Keith Butler, if you're Mike Tomlin, do you want them to play, and do you want them to throw the ball on you? (laughs) Of course you'd rather play without Hill and Kelsey. Would you really? (laughs) All right, let me rephrase. I mean, no one's any Without those guys, they're running. Probably. Now, now, do you want them to play or not? Because I'll tell you, if it's me – as long as they're throwing, T.J. Watt has a chance to wreck the game. As long as Make they're running, might get one or right. There's you don't have we much. All, we've seen this movie already. We, we've seen the movie many times, and it always ends with the hero getting you know shot in the end or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? I hear what you're saying. I mean, I can't go so far as to say I'd prefer Kelsey and Hill play. Yeah. Maybe one of the two. No, I want them both. <laughs> I, want, I don't. I want them dropping back to pass. Yeah, but they're really good at it. I know, but <laughs> I'm telling you, if Pittsburgh, my, I don't think there's very much chance they win this game. But if there is an avenue to get there from here, to me, it's keep up with them, mm-hmm. score some points. I think that secondary is vulnerable. If they can get Chris Jones blocked, they can attack it. Again, big if, but hey, these are the Steelers. We're dealing right, with Right, I hear you. Um, right. Stay within spitting distance and then find a way to win it in the fourth quarter. Either Watt does something miraculous or – Ben pulls one out of his backside, and you beat him 39-36. Yeah. I mean, Tomlin's find ways to do that all year. I mean, they muck it up, and yeah. whoever gets the puck wins a lot. gets the puck <laughs> last in the corner, you know yeah. what I mean? The dirty, ugly games, and don't, don't give him a lot of room to skate. I mean, that type of deal. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely their recipe. I just think that it can't be a 17-16 game with Kelsey and Hill in the game. You know, no. I don't think the Steelers are going to put many points up, period. I mean, I don't know how much you – we haven't talked about this yet – but the, the Kansas City season, they played 14 games. They've won the last seven. Their numbers during this last seven, as opposed yeah. to the front seven, are night and day, especially on defense, especially Except with turnovers. Except against the Chargers. Yeah, that's true. Who and made, them, Jones, look, but yeah, who made right. them look like amateurs. Absolutely. And it was two great and quarterbacks dueling. Fun 28 game. points, yeah. and they left a whole bunch more on the table. You're 100% right. Dropping TD passes and missing little throws that would have been touchdowns mm-hmm. and fumbling at the two-yard line. I mean, they yeah. could they could have put fifty plus on these guys. No, you're probably you're 100 percent right. I can't dispute that. I mean, uh, that was a fun game, and I don't know if the Steelers can do that. Well, <laughs> you know, but theoretically, it's point, possible. Yes, yes, it's going to be a, a grind either way for Pittsburgh. Got a lot uh, to get to tonight before we get out of our uh, beautiful new studio it here beautiful. in uh, Bridgeville. Uh, we're going to be here till eight o'clock, and when we come back, we welcome the third member of our team. Uh, go full house backfield with Merrill Hodge, and uh, we'll get to the bottom of what he thinks the Chiefs are going to do. You know, he's got a little history with Andy Reid.
okay. as far as I know, Andy's already told him what he's going to do. But okay, uh, we'll see what Merrill has to say about <laughs> that. So keep it right here with Matt Williamson. I'm Mike Persuda. You are listening to Steelers Preview right here on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR. Back to the Steelers Preview Show presented by Unibet on DVE. Welcome back to the preview. Mike Persuda and Matt Williamson with you till 8 o'clock tonight. We're talking Steelers Chiefs, and uh, it's now gotten to the point of the program where we welcome in our lead back, Merrill Hodge, who joins us each and every Thursday or whenever we may do the show based on the upcoming schedule. Uh, Merrill, we're going to dive into Steelers Chiefs in a minute here, but uh, I'm not sure you may or may not be aware. Today is the 49th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception, December 23rd, 1972. Clue me in, if you can, on whether or not you knew about this before you got drafted by the Steelers and uh, how it was emphasized to you once you became a member of the organization. <laughs> well, I mean, now listen, my favorite team was the Pittsburgh Steelers when I was a kid. I mean, I loved the Steelers, but um, just loved them. Um, Walter Payton was my favorite player, but the Steelers were my favorite team. Um, so, I mean, I was I was watching that game when the immaculate reception happened. Now, when you, you when were I got about here, seven then, yeah, seven or eight. Well, well, I'll tell you exactly. What well, 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 would have been the year? Nineteen seventy-two. Seventy-two. Yeah, I'd be seven. Seven years old, and that's really when I was starting to get into football. I mean, it was, I mean, well, listen, I'd already already set the record for the most touchdowns ever over a couch. So I already had that established. Um, I had run over both my brothers more times than any other brother had run over their brother in the history of football at that point. Anyway, so um, when I got here, you know, um, you know, I don't remember a real emphasis of it other than, you know, it was the signature play and a turning point in Steeler history. You know, that's that's what I, I remember it being being about and symbolizing and then there's so many other things though that have transpired with that organization that are significant too that one just obviously stands out because it was a great maybe one of the great was the greatest play in nfl history not i mean steel history clearly but nfl history as well and there's a statue of franco at the airport making the immaculate reception i never knew who was next to him my whole life it's George Washington yeah. who founded the country. Yeah, I'm like, who's that guy? As somebody, <laughs> was, as somebody once explained to me, George Washington, <laughs> then Franco Harris. You left a lot of stuff out in between. <laughs> I didn't recognize the one on the right. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's uh, let's fast Man. forward to uh, to Sunday, Merrill. Is it going to take uh, some immaculate uh, or divine intervention to get out of Airhead with a W? Yeah. Now listen, they're not quite. The, the, the Chiefs are not quite the team they once were, you know, and, and everybody's got them, you know, oh, they're, all, they're back on track. And no, they're not. I mean, their passing game is still out of sync uh, a little bit. Just when, when that, that's when they're actually playing fairly well. You know, we talked earlier about the Charger game. You know, the Chargers, you know, if they convert half of their fourth downs, you know, half of those, or, or kick field goals, you know, just kick half, field goals on half of them, they probably blow their doors off. Um, you know, so that being said, there's, the Chiefs have had a lot of issues early on. They've corrected some of them. Um, some of that was on the defensive side. Um, some of their offensive line was having a lot of issues. That is clearly playing much better. But they still lack, in the passing game, 
you know, I mean, they played well the other day, but they have not been consistent, you know, with their passing attack. It has been very inconsistent. Um, they've turned the ball over. They've been somewhat sloppy. Um, and they're, they're just lack of a commitment to their running game. This is going to haunt them, you know. And that may ha- not haunt them Sunday uh, when they play the Steelers, but it's going to haunt them at some point. Um, but, you know, to win this game, yeah, the Steelers would need to have probably one of their best games of the year and really in the trenches. You know, that's where, you know, these games are won and lost, and that's where they've been struggling the last couple of weeks is really – Right, right where the football is, you know, that's where it all starts and ends. And if they play well there, then, then they will play. They, they go to chat. They have a chance to beat them. Merrill, the, the obvious question, what Mike and I were talking about in the first segment, is if Hill and Kelsey can't go, will Reed yeah. and Mahomes and company dedicate themselves to just running the football? I mean, it's not really what they do. Yeah. Well, I, okay, now think about this. Um, there's no evidence that would tell you not to do that. You know, they're going to look at the last four games. That's what teams do. They look at the last four games. And the only time they don't look at the last four games is if there's an opponent that's just not like, I'm not even relatively close to who you are. Let's say somebody runs the run and shoot, like when the Oilers would play, okay? Everybody always throw that out because, like, that's not realistic to the opponent we're about to play. <laughs> and you find the four, you know, you find the four that are relatively close. And, you're going to come up. They're not idiots. They're going to they're going to see how the Steelers have really struggled running the football, um, and to to not challenge that, and especially if those two guys aren't playing, I just think it would be. I'd be. I mean, and we know I, we clearly understand Andy and his in his genetic makeup, and he does a great job of designing offense and the passing game and that's what that's what makes him tick and that's what he's been terrific at but I just think they would be negligent not to challenge that part of the Steelers weakness to see if they if they can handle it you know um, and take some of that pressure off you know a couple areas where you're not going to quite have the uh, explosiveness that you that you clearly have when um, when Glenn Hill and uh, Kelsey are on the field so if you're a Steelers fan or maybe a Steelers coach or a Steelers player. Are you actually hoping Kelsey and he'll play so that they don't run the ball down your throat? <laughs> I can't go that far. I'm uh, sorry. Because to me, yeah, Merrill, well, if they're passing, that gives T.J. Watt a chance to be T.J. Watt. Well, yeah. Now, listen, I will tell you this. You know, um, if you look at some of the Steelers' strength, and I'll tell you this, they, they did, I don't know if they got the credit. You know, we talked a little bit, Mike, earlier today, but – I don't know if the, the secondary as a whole, and I include the linebackers in this too, um, because those guys played better than they had played all year in their coverage responsibilities and how they tackled. I mean, um, that was about as impressive uh, a, a group effort as I've seen since the Buffalo game. So, you know, if you really, you know, I don't know how their game plan in this one. Obviously, you got to respect everything. you got to prepare for everything. But if they, uh, you know, the, the Steelers have had had success with teams that they haven't had to worry much about their running game. You know, they they have played well. You know, that's how I don't know what the Bills were thinking, but they're not, they're still not thinking right. <laughs> they're still doing the same thing they did week one. Um, they the Steelers play that stuff pretty well. You know, they've done that. There's like they always a couple of games where they've you know really kind of melted down and fallen apart. So it's an interesting thing. 
they don't have as many haven't had as many flaws and as as much breakdown as uh they have in the running game on a consistent basis. So I don't know. I think it would be somewhat of an interesting game if the Chiefs continue to play the way they have been playing with or without um, Tyreek Hill or, or Travis Kelsey. Merrill, you mentioned favorite. that this passing game isn't quite what it's been the last few years. And yeah. I think there's a little bit of a misconception that there's this blueprint out there all of a sudden how to stop the Chiefs and the Bills and these deep passing games with with two high safeties. But it is pretty obvious that almost everyone that faces this team wants them to nickel and dime you to death. And, you know, some of these young quarterbacks like Mahomes get a little impatient and they just won't take the layup time and time yeah. again. Yeah. You know, I'll say this way. Um, what I've noticed more this year with them than I have in the past is people are willing to play man to them. You know, people will play man to them. Um, now, this is when their offensive line wasn't playing as well, too. Keep in mind, that that's the area that um, got better. Um, that really struggled and was really a big, big issue for the first part of the year. You know, and then really Patrick Mahomes was compounding that by um, really forcing the ball and making some irrational decisions. You know, the, and the, the resulted in turnovers and really hurt the team. And their defense clearly wasn't playing to the level it was playing now. So, you know, I, looking at this one, I, you know, the offensive line is playing better. That's the one thing I think that's kind of forgotten um, in somewhat their turnaround and their defense has played significant. They've been, their defense has been stellar for about six weeks straight aside from that Charger game. You know, they were not – they were not. that was the team you probably saw the first four or five weeks of the season, not the what you have seen the last six. So it'll be interesting to see. Is that you entirely know, attributable to Jones not being there? Uh, well, I think it's a big factor in him. You know, um, they've predominantly – you know, the first part of the year, they kept moving him inside and outside. He, he just looks odd in the outside. He's just not, he's not a defensive end. At the end of the story day, he is not a defensive end. They put him a couple of times there against the Raiders, but you don't see him there very much anymore. And I don't even know why, because he's so dominant inside. I mean, he, he wrecks things, man. And if you look at where the Steelers have struggled, especially guys playing with leverage, you know, you know Green has struggled. And I, I would expect him to be in, in the guard and center gaps and laps all day long. I, I don't know why you would move him outside. It's not where he's, he's not, he has really no pass rushing skills from the perimeter, but he is dynamic and powerful and quick inside where that interior area of his and why is he so he's so dominant there you know he blows up all kinds of plays I shoot the Raiders I mean I don't I mean they, they blitzed and they had success blitzing but man I'm gonna tell you they dominated the game just rushing four I mean just totally collapsing the pocket I mean just destroying it you know um, and then when they got him in a certain situations where blitz applied I mean they came after I mean all out blitzes which I was another element of this game that you got to be prepared for, you know. Um, and people always put it on the quarterback. I mean, no, your offensive linemen, your backs, your tight ends, your receivers, they better see things too. They better understand things too. It ain't just the quarterback. I mean, shoot, everybody has to see it. So they'll, they'll stress you with their pressures. Merrill, I want to introduce you to my pet peeve that has emerged this season. Every year it's something that drives me crazy. And this year it's the pursuit of a sack at the expense of giving – quarterbacks lanes to escape the pocket and run and 
Uh, Joey Bosa made the list for me in that Chargers-Chiefs <laughs> yeah. game. You know, time after time, he lets Mahomes get outside of him or inside of him because he rushed too far up the field. Uh, scramble right, heave it down the field for Hill, you get a 30-yard pass interference. Scramble right, throw it on the run to Kelsey, you get a 69-yard play, 49 of which was yards after the catch. Uh, Two-point conversion, hold it, pump, flush right, lob it to a running back in the end zone. Uh, third, the last drive that tied the game, two or three plays like that, uh, the touchdown that tied it. I mean, I get that edge rushers get paid for how many sacks they get, but can't these guys figure out as the game is going on? This guy is killing me when he gets past me. Well, now, now you'll know why I say a coach has all the power and no control. <laughs> Once they once they enter the wide lines of a football field, I mean it's all over. They can, yeah, that's why people go. I can't believe what coach would allow that. Whoa, 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 whoa! How do you know <laughs> that coach told him to do that? I kind of doubt it. I mean, listen, this is where um, you come into this game, and that that almost has to be a, a point of emphasis to your group is that if we want to win. The priority can't be sacks. It's just got to be a true wall of discipline, if you will, from when we stunt and twist to when we pressure to when we just flat lane rushing, that we create a wall and we don't give him any escape routes but to retreat. And then if he's going to go lateral, you got to have him give ground to go lateral, you know, because then you can get people to him, you know. But if he can escape the line of scrimmage right away, and then move to give a little time, then it's it's almost over. Because now you, 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 you know, a litany of things can happen on the back end when that comes to play, you know. And you really got to get you guys to buy into the, you know, this is going to be about a team, you know, and it might, might not be about sex. That's why, just let me interrupt myself, that's why I believe sack, the sack statistic is the most garbage statistic, overrated statistic, uh, in football, okay, listen, at the end of the day, I just use T.J. Watt, for example. Well, how many has he got right now, 19? 17 and a half. What, 17, okay, 17 and a half. Okay, now, T.J. Watt's probably played about 1,000 plays to this point, give or take, you know. Okay, seven, seven, so 17 times, we'll give him 18, I'll round it up, 18 times out of those 1,000 plays, he got a sack. Well, what is he doing? on the other 900 and some other place. Okay, now, now T.J. Watt is clearly a complete football player. The way he plays and the way he does all other things, those are greater impacts consistently for his team than those sacks. Now, he has had some sacks that have been game changers and records. Don't, I, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not for a second saying that is, but it is, it's a, a fraction of what a player has doing all year. You know, and that's why everybody is really good at it. And then you want their elements of their game, and they don't have the tenacity, instincts, and the savviness of a TJ Watt. They don't play the run very well. Um, they're really not doing their job half of the other t- half the time. Well, Jadavion Clowney is a perfect <laughs> example of this. A perfect example of this. He'll hit the quarterback or get a sack, and people think, you know, that's just he's a wrecker. No, he's not. He wrecked the play. 50 other plays, 25 of them, he's making a mistake and he quits. That is exactly why the Houston Texans let him go. The exact reason why. Everybody's like, why would you let him go? Okay, because they're looking at that guy going, I am not giving him $20 million for somebody who plays like he's worth $2 million. 
just so you know. And I see. I don't. I don't think TJ Watt's a selfish player. You know, if he's made a mistake, it has been purely out of effort and um and making a mistake because that does happen. I mean, the great ones make mistakes. Nobody, nobody's immune to mistakes. You very you seldom make it very seldom though. You know, and he does such a has impacts the game in so many other ways that um, do not get recognized. That quite honestly, as a whole, are far more important. You know, like how he sets the edge. You always talk about. I need a guy to set the edge. Okay. T.J. Watt will set the edge on your defense. He'll sack your quarterback. He will. He will get. He will strip some a blocker, get rid of him, and make the tackle. I mean, I, I could go on and on on the things. And you can stack him inside. What do they do? They move him around. They roam him. He blows up the play. Takes two guys on. Now they got guys free to make the play. I mean, we go on and on all the things you have to do that he does do. And I've just known a lot of players who have had great sack statistics. But if you look at the rest of their game, it's just trash. It's just, I mean, but they are anointed a great football player because they have sacks. I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't see it. I just see so many other players that are just, they're not the complete player of a TJ Watt, but they had a lot of sacks and they're considered to be as good as TJ Watt. Not even close. Merrill, back to Mahomes and the pass rush plan. Is he as good as you've ever seen out of structure? From this perspective, his accuracy. Yeah. I mean, it is stupid. <laughs> it is stupid. And it is just, um, you know, like, I, it is, it's just, you know, and the way he, I mean, and, I, you know, that is, it gets so overlooked. You know, like, okay, I was watching Taysom Hill. Now, Taysom Hill played at my high school. I've known Taysom Hill since he was in high school. Um, in fact, one of the first playbooks I ever did when we were at ESPN when we were trying to get, we were trying to really highlight the high school market and the youth football market. I, he was one of my first playbooks I ever did his senior year. Actually, remember when Tim Tebow would do that fake run, then back up and throw it well, in college? Well, they were doing that in high school. And I remember I did the playbook on it, in fact. It was a similar play. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, he, he is better in high school than Tim Tebow is right now in college. I mean, as a quarterback. Now, that being said, Taysom is his accuracy – his ability to throw in with a dirty pocket and moving, I mean, he just—he really struggles. I mean, he's got—he's those. I mean, guys are open too now. Um, he'll throw it behind them. You know, he'll throw it where it's a difficult catch, and if the guy catches it, you know, he's probably not going to be able to run after the catch. Um, and he misses a lot of plays like that, and he's—he's he's not shown that he has gotten better in that department. And then you go over. Because this is one. This is what I do have a luxury of doing. You watch him the entire game, and then you flip on the Kansas City Chiefs. You see something very similar, and you watch him throw it. Meaning Patrick Mahomes, where the receiver catches it in stride, he's going the opposite. He's angling to the to the to the left. Patrick Mahomes is running to the right, and he makes a throw when somebody's in his face, and he catches it in stride. And that's what that's the kind of throws I'm talking about that you have to make in the NFL to really be great elite and consistent and if you don't have that skill set you just eventually it's going to catch you it's going to catch you you're going to get exposed for it and they start looking for another quarterback because of that but that is where he really stands amongst a bunch of other guys try to do those things or be in those same situations and then you watch him do it and you're like oh my gosh that is just it's just a true gift it is it's a true gift but it doesn't mean he's not going to make mistakes because he he will get he will get sloppy. 
But what I do like about Patrick Holmes is he catches himself. Like I've studied him since he came to the league. You you see him wandering in the pocket, but he'll go to a five step drop and he'll he'll end up over with the right guard, you know, and kind of moves himself into pressure. And if you watch this for a couple of weeks, you'll I'll hear something where he like I'm getting sloppy in the pocket, so he's aware of it, and he even acknowledges it. And then you watch him the next week, and he's cleaned it up. So he even erodes at times. And, you know, the first part of the year where their offensive line was so bad. And and they weren't helping by trying to run the ball. Um, he just compounded the issue by trying to do just way too much. Um, I think he's got into a better rhythm now. Um, and that's why, you know, this whole conversation about how well can we play up front, you know, will be a, a real pivotal part of the game and how the offense and Patrick Mahomes. Merrill got about two minutes left. Uh, anything can be done about the run defense or they just have to work around it the rest of the way? Uh, you know, um, boy, it, it, it just probably is a I – mean, listen, you think if you get frustrated watching it, you can imagine how the coaches feel. <laughs> you know, I mean, there, there's been moments, you know, think of uh, the Cleveland game. Um, what other game like that they – the Raven game. Jeez, those two games. I mean, you can't play the run – any better than they played it, you know, um, and how they just shut it down. And then, but there's, but then there's more games where they have been, they've not been as consistent. Um, all you can do is keep trying to get better. Um, and it starts, you know, it, it just, it's your defensive line, it starts there, you know, and then your, your linebackers do have to complement it, you know, especially when you get guys that are getting double teamed. Your linebacker, I'm just going to tell you by rule, can't stand there. You can't stand it. It's like this. I got to free my buddy up. They're doubling him for a reason. Okay, I got to free him up. So you can't sit there and wait till you get in their lap to attack the line of scrimmage. It is over. And too many times that's happened. You know, um, those guys are fighting their tails off to fight the double team. Those linebackers are still standing there. Well, those offensive linemen are not coming off that guy until you make me come off that guy. Now, they did a little better job, actually against the the Titans where they where they actually really struggled and a lot of the big runs came from is the backside linebacker. And oftentimes it was Devin Bush, is that he runs lateral with the play versus moving lateral but filling. You know, until he, he leaves that back door. And every every good runner in the, in the national football is going to find that. You know, you close him down on the front side, you leave the back door open, he will get there. And that's where they got a lot of their big runs. So they they're getting into the back door. So they're working around it, is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying my best. I'm trying my best to to get it um, to right. But and then all that said, they did, so they did play a little better though. They actually did. They just need to, another step forward in the backside. Needs to be as good as the front side was. If you do that, then then you got you got a you got a shot. Well, Maryland is uh, almost Christmas. It is the time of miracles. So maybe. Uh... <laughs> Maybe they'll miracle their way to some run defense at Arrowhead hey, Stadium. I believe, brother. I believe. <laughs> Merrill, great stuff. Thanks again for joining us. Uh, Merry, Merry Christmas to you and your family, and we'll look forward to talking to you next week. Same to you and Steeler Nation. Merry Christmas, everybody. Merrill Hodge uh, telling it uh, the way only he can. Matt and I still have uh, a couple of uh, I's to dot and T's to cross before we get out of here tonight, so keep it here. We'll be here until 8 o'clock. Uh, this is Steelers Preview. On your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR. Back to the Steelers preview show presented by Unibet on DVE.
Welcome back to the preview. Mike Pursuta and Matt Williamson with you till 8 o'clock tonight as we continue counting it down to the Steelers and the Kansas City Chiefs. Matt, there's a couple of guys I wanted to mention before we got out of here. Okay. Relatively low profile with Kansas City. And, hey, if you're not Mahomes, Kelsey, or Hill, or uh, I'll throw Jones in there yeah, as well. Yeah, Jones is a star, Since too. you and Merrill seem to have so much respect for him. Oh, yeah. Uh, if you're not one of those guys, you're not getting mentioned a lot. But their fullback, Michael Burton, he had uh, a 20-yard catch and a 7-yard touchdown run in that Chargers game. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Know, I mean, he's not it, a feature part of the offense. Is it but... not enough that there's all these other guys and then this guy hurts you bad <laughs> twice? I mean, I give Reed credit. Like, he is a very strong uh, offensive mastermind and probably saw some weakness that, you know, no one's going to key on this guy, pick up cheap yards, and boom, there he goes. And the other guy is uh, a guy who I think might be their best defensive player, not named Chris Jones, and that is Nick Bolton, second-round linebacker out of Missouri. They're getting a lot of other rookies. Who Uh, is playing phenomenal, and I remember we did uh, an avalanche of pre-draft stuff. Mm -hmm. I went back and looked at it. I had him as my number six inside linebacker. I had a guy named Jabril Cox from LSU ahead of him at number five. Of course, Michael Parsons, and there were some really high-profile guys, but man, Nick Bolton. Uh, He's been really good for him. 14 tackles, three passes defensed against the Chargers. He was hassling mm-hmm. Justin Herbert in the in the pocket. He was covering people down the field. He had uh, a tip uh, that turned into a tip pick. He knocked the ball out of the tight end's hand. Uh, that would have been a big play. Uh, just doing everything that's asked of him on a defense that could use some help. Yeah, I mean, he was kind of a ready-made prospect. I mean, advanced mentally in college. Uh, didn't run a phenomenal time or jump out of the gym or any of those things, but smart, tough. Um, the one guy we didn't mention, you know, Jones was out last week, but so was Gay, their second-round pick from last year. And him and Bolton might be a really good combination for the, the next couple of years here. I mean, they, they finally found some linebackers. So you can find them. You don't have to you trade. Find you don't have to trade up to number 10 overall anymore to, to go get them. Two second-round picks. They're doing pretty darn well for Kansas City. Last uh, point I want to bounce off you, and I don't know if I've done this yet tonight, but uh, if I have, it's it's worth repeating. When I think of the Chiefs, probably when a lot of people think of the Chiefs, it's Mahomes off script and, and Mahomes right. doing the no-look pass or doing something that almost nobody else would even think to try mm-hmm. and pulling it off. But what I saw in this Chargers game is a lot of throwing quick, a lot of throwing sideways, yeah, a lot of concession to what I want initially isn't there. I'm going to take three yards here. Yeah. I'm going to get it to Tyree Kill there and see if he can break a tackle and and uh, you know catch short and run long, as Randy Figner used to say. Mm-hmm. These guys are more by the numbers now. It still comes down to what he can do off script, but he's not trying that stuff as much, is he? It's a great point because like his average depth of targets down a little bit from the last couple of years. Um, you got to remember, Andy Reid is a. Bill Walsh disciple. I mean, he's a West Coast guy at heart. Timing, rhythm, get it out. And the after-the-catch numbers are bonkers for these guys. I bonkers, mean, good word. Hill and Kel- Kelsey has more yards after the catch than every tight end has yards total in the league except for, like, five or six guys. You know, I mean, it's pretty remarkable. And, and Mahomes hits him in stride, and he's very accurate and on time. The other thing I think that uh... – Maybe I just didn't notice this before, but I always thought of Tyree Kill as a real fast guy. Oh, and he is. 
He's got hands. He's a total package. He can catch a fastball. I think he, he's the best receiver in the league. He can, he's definitely the scariest. And when he, he can run routes. When they know. throw those flanker screens, you think it's a run game extension, throw away, two, three, four. He's catching oh. that thing, tucking it, and he wants to go, man. And he's not afraid of contact. Yeah. He's a short, compact, powerful, unbelievably explosive and agile player. I'd rather play against any receiver in the league than Tyreek Hill. That said, I hope he and Kelsey play on Sunday at Arrowhead <laughs> because still, yeah. <laughs> I do not want to see the Steelers give up another 200-plus on the ground. Let's have a chance. Hey, if you drop back 35 times, he's going to wreck a couple of them. Okay. We'll see if he does it at the right time. That's going to do it for us tonight. Thanks to uh, Shirtless Tom, who we can no longer see in our new studio, but we know he's there. We I got this presence. reassuring voice in my head telling me to – to go to commercial and whatnot. Uh, Tom, great job all year. Merry Christmas to you. Matt, Merry Christmas to you. You We already wished Merrill a Merry Christmas. That means uh, all that's left is to wish you, the listener, and your family a Merry Christmas. Till next week, for Matt Williamson, I'm Mike Pursuta. You've been listening to Steelers Preview right here on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR. Good night, everyone.